0: Good morning, everybody. Um, a very warm welcome to our service of worship here at Kirkpatrick Memorial uh, on this beautiful sunny day that God has given us. Um, it's great to see you all, um, but we are particularly delighted to see you if this is not the place um, where you would normally find yourself on a Sunday morning. And you join us here on, in, uh, on Kirkpatrick on a, on a special occasion today and because this is the Sunday morning that we have set aside to celebrate our centenary. It's uh, Kirkpatrick's 100th birthday party. So we're going to be spending a little bit of time throughout the service looking back, thanking God for blessings in the past and his faithfulness, but also committing ourselves and our hopes for the future into God's hands. It's going to be quite a busy service, and there's going to be a lot going on. So before we go any further, let's just take a moment to bow our heads and to be still to prepare to meet with the living God who has given us this day to be together and to be together enjoying him. So let's bow our heads together. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on all the earth. Be still and know that I am your God. Our God doesn't keep us at a distance. We're not held at arm's length. He welcomes you in. He loves you. He delights in you. He rejoices over you with singing. The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He will take great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. We're going to stand together and rejoice over God with songs of our own. We're going to stand and sing three hymns, um, one after the other, three God-glorifying songs, Great is the Lord, King of Kings, and Jesus we enthrone you. Let's stand together. share in a time of prayer now I'm thankful remembering God's blessing these hundred years Um, now he wasn't quite there at the beginning of our church but he's probably the closest thing that we have to it so I thought it was appropriate that maybe Stanley Mills would lead us in our prayers this morning
1: to begin a prayer from the Old Testament, a prayer of Solomon at the dedication of the magnificent temple that the Jews built. O Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven above or on the earth beneath, you who keep your covenant of love with your servants. But will God really dwell on earth? The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain you. How much less this temple I have built. Yet give attention to your servant's prayer and his plea for mercy. O Lord, my God, hear the cry and the prayer that your servants pray in your presence this day. This place of which you said, My name shall be there. Hear from heaven your dwelling place and when you hear, forgive. Heavenly Father, some 3,000 years later than that prayer in Jerusalem, we meet to give thanks today for the faithful gospel ministry of a young man, James Toland, in the village of Ballyhackamore, in a simple corrugated iron hut on this site. Lord, we give you thanks For the many men and women who were converted through that ministry, who thus became members of Christ's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. We thank you, Lord God, for the generosity of the Kirkpatrick family for the building of this lovely sanctuary. But even more so, we thank you for all those who, like living stones, were built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ, called out of darkness into his wonderful light. Today, we give thanks for those who preached the gospel and taught the word for the last century. Here and those who faithfully prayed down blessing on this place, those who taught in the Sunday school here and in Clarawood, who led in the Life Boys, the Boys Brigade, the Brownies, the Girl Guides, the Girls Brigade, the Youth Fellowship, the Youth Club, the Junior and Young People's Christian Endeavour Societies, the PWA the Friendship Club and the bowling clubs. We give you particular thanks, Lord, for bringing Christoph and his wife Claire to minister to us in 2003 and for how mightily you have used them in this place. We rejoice, too, in those, in the team that they have built up. We thank you for Edna, And her great work among our older members. For Sam and Richard, our interns. For Jill, our administrator. And the new young elders whose gifts and hard work have so blessed us. We recall with thankfulness, Lord, the ministry of those brought up in this church as boys who served in other churches as ministers. Alistair Kennedy... Tom Winnie, Jim Toland in the Presbyterian Church, Gordon McKibben and Gamble Reed in the Church of England, David Kerr in the Methodist Church. Finally, Lord, you have commanded us to bring the good news of the gospel to a needy world. We give you thanks for those who heard that call here and have gone out with the message of the Saviour. We thank you for the Hannahs working with the Jungle Tribes mission of the PCI many years ago in India, for the lifetime service of Ruby and Joe Black in North India Outreach, for the long and fr- fruitful service of Lionel Fitzsimmons among the Asian community in Bradford, for Ruth McKibben as a teacher in India, for Fiona Seaman as a doctor in Nepal. And now to the only God our Saviour, be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages and now forevermore. Amen.
0: Boys and girls, as we celebrate uh, our church's 100th birthday, what we're really celebrating is not about a building, bricks and mortar, it's about 100 years of people being able to come here and hear the good news about Jesus Christ. That Jesus came to rescue us and to show us God's amazing love. So, boys and girls, you've got a job to do now helping us to sing that. Uh, We're going to stand together and sing come on and celebrate. So really belt it out and then you will all be able to go on out to Sunday Club together. Or else you can go on at night. I'm going to invite uh, Colin Woods up to the front. Um, I think Colin has got a bit of a Kirkpatrick memorial history lesson for us all.
2: Thank you. You Now, you can't not have heard about the centenary of the congregation. I'm pretty sure everybody will be aware that this is the Sunday that we're marking it. Um, Perhaps that's led you to ponder a little bit about what used to happen here, because as most of us are relative blow-ins, we really have no idea what went on before around the mid-2000s. Um, So there's a couple of questions going to come up on the screen here. Who exactly was Skelly that the Skelly Hall is named after? Um, Never mind that, who's Kirkpatrick and why do we have a church in in memory of them? And what special event caused the evening service to be brought forward to 5.30pm one Sunday in 1986? Now you maybe haven't wondered about that last one before but I'm pretty sure you're curious now. Um, Thankfully there's an answer at hand. So to mark the centenary of what was then known as Ormiston Presbyterian Church and its arrival as an official congregation of the Presbyterian Church in Ireland. We've produced a centenary celebration book and you can see the front cover up there on the screen uh, above me. So the book has been produced. uh, It's been designed by Claire Bingham and the artwork for the front cover was provided by Ali Hart. So thanks very much to both of them for their hard work. In the book you'll find some interesting facts about the history of the congregation including the origin of the name, You'll learn a little bit about the ministers who have led the church over the last hundred years and whose names are found on most of our halls. Um, You'll learn a little bit about the size of the congregation and how the numbers grew and fell over the years. And you can learn about some of the organizations that have been a part of church life and the mission partners that have gone out from this church to serve God overseas. For the history geeks out there, and I know I can't be the only one, or at least I'm hopeful I'm not the only one, You can even read the entirety of the 1914-15 annual report and statement of accounts the very first time such a document was produced. So I know that a lot of people like to read the annual report, uh, but maybe for you it's a bit like when there's a TV program you've been wanting to watch, but it's already on series three, and you don't want to start watching it now in case you've missed things that have gone before. Well, we've produced the original document. You can relax. You can now start at the start, and if you're interested in getting all the other copies, we have them available. So as I've said, the production of this book wouldn't have been possible without the help of a lot of people, including Claire and Ali, who I've mentioned already. It would take me too long to list all the names, but you can read at the back of the book a list of people who've contributed uh, photographs, memories, and documents to the production of the book. So just to finish, if you would like to own a little slice of KMPC history, you can pick up a copy in the vestibule today and over the next few weeks. Uh, The printing costs for this book were not cheap, and so we're asking for a suggested donation of three pounds per copy. And there's a box in the back where you can leave your your change. If you don't have it with you this week, feel free to take a copy and bring the money along next week. It'll be there for a while yet. Um, We've had enough printed for one per household and some over. So if we could ask everybody just to take one per family or per household for now. And if you need any more than that, leave it a couple of weeks. And if they're still there, then you can help yourself. Thank you.
0: I was still waiting for the answer for some of those questions, but I suspect we're going to have to to get the book. Um, We're we're going to read from God's Word now. Um, It's Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 to 5, and you're going to find it on page 1,249 in your pew Bibles. It's Revelation 21, verses 1 to 5. Um, before Christoph uh, comes to share with us from that passage, we're going to sing one of our uh, more recently learnt songs. Um, it's Never Once, a song that encourages us to look back and to find a God who has always been there for us, uh, no matter what we might find ourselves going through. So let's stand and sing Never Once. Mm-hmm.
3: welcome to you. Uh, Let me add my welcome to uh, the one that Dan's already given you. Um, I was out meeting a few people in the congregation just before we started the service, and I I was trying to welcome people, but it didn't really make a whole lot of sense because a lot of them had been here 40, 50, and more years ago, and I'm the blow-in. So um, thanks for joining with us. Uh, Thank you for allowing us to uh, join in the history of this family, Kirkpatrick Memorial, uh, which at some point in the past uh, meant a lot to you uh, we 're delighted you have joined us here today over the last months and already this morning we 've been thinking a lot about god 's faithfulness in the past and how we want to to recognize that i, th- I think we 've done a good deal of that in recent months, and it 's been a, a very uh, a very wonderful experience to hear and to see uh, a little of what god 's done over a hundred years in this church family this morning for just a few moments, I want to share a vision of the future with you and it 's not my vision uh, you 'll be glad to know it's it 's jesus' vision uh, the one that we just read in revelation twenty one in revelation twenty one John tells us of some things that he sees. But then in verse 5, he tells us of a voice that he hears from heaven. And this voice says simply, I am making everything new. I love Jesus' vision. Jesus sits on the throne. He looks over this world that he's created and that he's died for and he says... I'm making it all new. I'm going to make it all new. I have a few reasons why I love Jesus vision and I thought I'd share those with you this morning. The, the, the first is that that I desperately want to be made new myself. I want to be a different person than I am today in the future. I want to be made more and more into the person whom God created me to be. Realizing the potentials that, that he put in me. If only I could hand myself over to him. I'd love it if the people who, who observe me today and those who look back on my life in the future could say the same kind of thing that the, the biblical writer said about David. Christoph Ebbinghaus was or is, a man after God's own heart. I want God to keep aligning my heart to his. I've been given pause to think recently uh, about how willing I am to take risks or steps in God's service. And as I did that in just recent weeks, I realized how easy it is to slide into complacency and comfort Even cynicism. I don't want that. I want to be made new. With new vision, new energy, new life and new courage welling up in me rather than something that's dissipating. I want to be more compassionate. Claire and I were talking about this uh, during the week. We were reading some stuff together and one of the challenges to a, a godly leader was to be a compassionate person. As we talked about this, we both felt that we we seem to have so little time to give to other people beyond our our family and our church family. And and maybe that has something to do with the season of life that we're in. But what what will I do with the time that I do have? What would I do if, if time became available to me? Will I go into the whole me time mindset? that's so prevalent in our culture today? Will I listen to that seductive invitation to be good to yourself? Or will I do what Jesus does and calls us to do? Pour out my life for others. I'm dreaming of a new me, and and I hope you are too. It struck me recently that this, this hunger and this thirst to see God doing something new in us might just be one of the most invigorating things that a human being could know. It might just be the antidote to one of our society's biggest fears. What's our biggest fear? Our biggest fear is of growing older, of one day being frail, and of finally dying. We're afraid because we believe that life is best for the young. Those with strong muscles and steady feet. But what if there's something much more going on in life? What if God's working in us? Beneath our skin. Behind our skeleton. He's working in us to form Something. What if he's making us new even as we age? What if we could be people who are growing in faith, hope, and love? What if wisdom was welling up in us? What if this whole exercise of human life is a bit like a being mined out of a deep, dark place? A mining and then a cutting and a polishing until finally a precious stone appears. What if we're getting better or could be getting better as we age? Growing older might just be this exercise in being made new. Folks, I I love Jesus' vision. He's making everything new. I love it because I want to be made new. I love Jesus' vision for a second reason. I'm not just dreaming of a a, a new me, I'm dreaming of a new you. I, I don't know if you knew that, that I dream about you. I don't know how comfortable you feel about that. But there it is. I am dreaming of a new you. I long for your transformation too. I'm not suggesting, by the way, that you need to be transformed in the same ways that I do. I'm not going to project my sin and weakness and failures onto you. But each one of us needs to know God's transforming work in our lives. We need to know his grace. It needs to come to us in our unique story, our distinctive personality, and it needs to make us something that we aren't yet. When I say I'm dreaming of a new you, actually I'm dreaming of a new us, all of us together. And I'm longing to see God transforming us individually and then into a, a an unprecedented kind of community. I'm longing for people whose lives have such beauty and warmth and grace in them that people really begin to take notice. I don't know if I've ever said this to you before, but I suppose my prayer for us together is that we become a good deal weirder than we are. Now we're weird enough to start with; uh, the raw material is pretty strong here at Kirkpatrick. But, but weird—what what do I mean by that? I want us to be weird in a in a good way. I want us to be people whose actions you can't explain by normal human motivations. We might look the same, but we're different. So we'll be people who work hard, who give our best, who seek to maximize our potential, but we do it all with an eye for God's glory and not ours. We'll use whatever time or money we accumulate, not for ourselves, but to bless others. We'll use our influence for the good of others, not just for us or our tribe we'll be the beautiful people. Not in terms of how we look or what we wear or how well groomed. Our beauty will be our lives. Our lives will be of such quality that they'll attract other people to come and know the King who's worked this change in us. A new you a new me. Another thing I love about Jesus' vision, I'm dreaming about a new city, a new Belfast. A city whose Christian past finally shows itself somewhere in our present and our future. The Bible talks a lot about cities, and um, it's something I've become increasingly interested in. Isaiah, for example, mentions... Uh, cities or the city or God's city about 50 times in his prophecy so he talks for example in chapter 60 he says to God's people arise shine for your light has come the glory of the Lord rises upon you nations will come to your light he's talking to the city of God God's people we're not quite there yet are we in Belfast The nations will come to your light. The nations don't feel safe in Belfast just now. Threats of violence, ongoing racism. We need God to make all things, including our city, new. In another of the city-themed prophecies, Isaiah talks in language which clearly foreshadows the passage which we have just read here today. So he talks in Isaiah 65 about a new heavens, a new earth, and a new Jerusalem right at the heart of it. Among other things, he talks about the peace that's going to reign in this city. He says the wolf and the lamb will feed together. It's a beautiful picture, peace between age-old enemies. We're not quite there yet, are we? It seems to me that heading into the summer of 2014, there's as much actual and threatened sectarian violence as most of the, the summers I can remember in recent times. I'm still dreaming of a new Belfast. On a visit to Belfast City Hall, probably about, I think it was about four years ago, I had a very interesting experience that that showed me that this longing I have for Belfast isn't a new thing we were on a guided tour and we were shown round somebody might be able to tell me or tell you more than I can but somewhere we stopped at a, a stained glass window which had the Belfast coat of arms on it and the guide told us that it was dated from 30th of June 19, 1890 uh, where there was a grant of arms made to this new city at that point the, the city of Belfast and the guide pointed out to us the Latin motto across the bottom of the coat of arms, "Pro tanto quid Retribuamus. I'm just giving the Latin guys a moment. Yep, i see in the most most faces. I see the recognition. Just come, okay, one or two. Just if you haven't covered that yet, that. Motto of Belfast, intriguingly, is a biblical quotation. Psalm 116, verse 12, which in the NIV reads like this. How can I repay the Lord for all his goodness to me? Wow. That's the motto of our city. To be a real Belfast person is to be a person who recognizes the incredible goodness of God and who then lives their life asking, how do we bring some of that back to the Lord? How do we repay the Lord for his goodness to us? I'm still dreaming of a new Belfast. The final reason I love Jesus' vision in Revelation 21, verse 5, is that it, it, it just goes everywhere, doesn't it? It doesn't stop at Belfast. What's he making new? Jesus makes everything new. Followers of Jesus Christ don't stop dreaming till the whole world is made new. As you can imagine, we don't have time even to scratch the surface of a world made new. This world is desperately waiting to be made new. Our news bulletins refresh every day with stories from Syria, Iraq and the like. We look look at the devastation still caused by hunger, caused by AIDS. If if we even tried to to put all this before us at once, we'd be in grave danger of despair. What we want to do here at Kirkpatrick Memorial is to pray to God And to participate with God in the work that he's doing to make all things new. Next week we're going to have a Sunday morning service where we're going to give it all over to to the mission of many of the members of our church. Both locally and globally to see the renewal of the earth under Jesus Christ. we have been dreaming here a little bit this morning I don't mind using that word because the word dream and the word vision uh, probably don't need to be separated all the time the vision of a new me, a new us a new city and a new world can this dream come true? how can this dream come true? My first real understanding of what Jesus was saying in Revelation 21, verse 5, came a number of years ago in a very strange place. Um, I was over in the cinema in, in Ards, but you know the one beside Ards Shopping Center? Yeah, see what I mean? It is strange that you'd have a, a revelation of any sort. In, um, but it was, it was Mel Gibson's film, The Passion of the Christ, In his film, Mel Gibson uses an artistic license to great theological effect, I think. When he puts these revelation words, Revelation 21, verse 5, he puts them into the mouth of Jesus as he's on his way to the cross. He chooses a really profound way of doing this. Jesus had been betrayed. We've seen that played out. He was flogged within an inch of his life. He'd been given a crown of thorns and it was crushed into his head. And now he's carrying his cross um, through the the busy streets of Jerusalem up the hill to Golgotha where he's going to be executed. And Gibson imagines Mary, the mother of Jesus, in the crowd. She watches as the crowd jeer him, as they throw rubbish at him, uh, as they pelt him with stones. She watches as the Roman soldiers prod him and whip him and keep him on his way. And she watches as her son struggles under the weight of the cross that he's carrying and then finally falls to the ground under the weight. At that moment, things couldn't be more broken or ruined Jesus' body's already broken. The, the crucifixion's just going to finish that job off. The faith of his disciples is breaking his mother's heart and the heart of anyone who loved him broken. This is a moment of utter despair. And it's at this point that, that Gibson imagines Christ summoning his last strength, rising under the weight of his burden and facing his mother with his back torn to shreds, with his face streaming with the blood. He simply says, Mother, I am making everything new. This is the way in which God has chosen to make all things new. It's in the cross of Jesus Christ it's as he dies, facing the worst that evil can, can throw at him. And as his father raises him to new life, that we see the first glimpse of what a world made new looks like. Jesus Christ, we're told, died for us so that we too can be made new. Whenever we see him, whenever we own that his sacrificial death was for us, we find ourselves moved. We find ourselves moved to love him, to want to be like him, to be, to be hungry for more of his presence and his spirit in us. It's when we hear Jesus Christ saying, greater love has no man than this that he laid down his life for his friends. And then we see him do it Go and lay down his life for his friends, that we're moved to love one another in the same way. Laying down our life for each other. Wouldn't that be an amazing kind of a church to be a part of? What kind of impact do you think a community like that might have in a city? And through its city to the world. Folks. Jesus Christ. Is making all things new. And he invites us to be a part of it. And that's our vision. For the next 100 years. Or 200 years. Or forever long. Jesus gives us to be made new and to be part of the making new. Are you ready to go? Let's pray. Father God, there are two Aspects to Jesus' promise which we can't quite believe. We can't quite believe that you could make us new. Many of us are living de- defeated and resigned lives. We imagine that we we are what we are and will be what we are. Father God, I pray that you'd unleash the transforming power of the gospel in us. Keep renewing us. Give us more than ever appetite and hope for being a new person for your glory. Lord, we struggle to believe that you're going to make us new, but as we trust you for that, we want to trust you too for the world. Lord, we don't know even how to pray for the world, never mind how to act for its renewal. But we pray that you would use us, that you would take our small steps of obedience, our limited abilities, but our love. Take it and make something of it. Lord, we pray you'd use us in the renewing of this earth Lord we thank you that as we have trusted you for a hundred years in the past we can trust you for as many years as you give us in the future help us to do that as we move forward Amen Just now we're going to sing a song that we learned at our church weekend last weekend, those of us who were there. It's a song called Endless Alleluia, and it's one that gives us a, a real eye to the future, uh, a time when we can see the renewal that uh, we've been talking about here this morning. We're going to invite the, the musicians and singers to play it for you uh, while the offering's lifted. So keep your seats at first. And then, once the offering's lifted and at the right moment, we'll stand to sing this song together. When I stand before your throne, Dressed in glory, not my own, you'll be glad to know the announcements are very brief today. We're here this evening at 7 o'clock for the third in our series of studies in the book of Haggai, Build Your Kingdom Here. Uh, So come along and join us uh, to to learn more of how how it is that God builds his kingdom uh, and renews the earth under his son Jesus. I've been told we don't have a sound person for that uh, service this evening, and the the person who would have been taking that service can't get an email out uh, to track people down. So if you're here and you know you could help us with sound this evening, uh, maybe you'd have a word with me uh, before you go. Thank you. Next Sunday, we're going to be, among other things, commissioning people who are going on short-term missions from the church over the summer. So if you're away on a SISM, or a camp, or an overseas team, or whatever, and you haven't yet signed up to to tell us that you're going and given us some idea of your dates, then please do that. Uh, the reason we, we love to know that in advance is that we, we're going to print up during this week a guide telling people who's going where and when, so that we can be praying for them. So please uh, do do that. Uh, add your name to the sign-up sheet out there in the vestibule. And the last announcement uh, is is an important one. It's that the Holiday Bible Club are looking for people who will volunteer to to make tray bakes for them uh, during the week that they're working down here. So if you're somebody who could help with that, add your name to the, the sheet out there in the vestibule.
0: Thank you. Don't know who uh, was responsible for turning Christoph's mic off there when he started singing. I thought that was a bit cruel, Christoph. I, th- I thought you sounded good. Um, Gareth Irwin's going to do a short slot on uh, Jesus Rediscovered.
4: Good morning, folks. It's lovely to have you here. And if this is you've just come through the door this morning for the first time in a while, or especially because of the scenery, centenary, can we say particularly a good good morning to you, S- scenery? Lovely scenery. And, <laughs> False teeth. Centenaries can be funny times, can't they? Over the next decade in Northern Ireland, we're going to be particularly fraught with the centenary of the Psalm, the Easter Rising, and partition. And it's how how do we celebrate it? Do we even commemorate it? How do we go about it? For churches, it can be a wee bit the same. How do you mark a centenary? Some churches have made, you know, celebratory tea tals. some people have got a new crockery set, some people have got a new clock and put the brass plaque on it and all of those are entirely reasonable things to do but thinking about how Kirkpatrick wanted to market Centenary, the question was how has Ballyhackamore been different because of KMPC's presence over the last hundred years? Was it just to provide a bit of entertainment at the bowls on a Saturday night? Was it to give people something to do on a Sunday morning? Did it just provide a bit of community or a bit of social support whenever people needed it at times of struggles. While all of those things are great, at the very heart of everything Kirkpatrick has been wanting to do over the last hundred years is that it has sought to share the good news of Jesus Christ, and that as a relationship with God restored and a life transformed, and we've tried to portray that to the local community, sometimes better, sometimes worse. Essentially then, Thinking about how we wanted to celebrate our centenary, we wanted to encourage people to take another look at this Jesus. We wanted to encourage people to rediscover Jesus. We thought about ways that we could try and reflect that to the local community. And that's why many of you have been involved by giving out a copy of the parish newsletter to all the homes in our parish and also a copy of Mark's gospel. Why did we decide about Mark's gospel? Mark would have been a really bad comedian. Basically, he gives away the punchline of his story in the first verse by saying this is the good news about Jesus Christ the Son of God. So you have been handing out the good news of Jesus Christ the Son of God to every house in our parish and can I thank you for being involved in that? The question is what about us? Can I suggest that we do three things to make the centenary celebrations be something more meaningful and more permanent? What about picking up a copy of Mark's Gospel and having a read of it yourself? Maybe you haven't read it at all. Maybe you haven't read it in a while. It's the paciest, quickest, most straightforward read of Mark's Gospel. Do you know it only takes about an hour to get the whole way through it? But how about immersing yourself in the story of Jesus and experiencing how Jesus is able to walk off the pages of Mark's gospel and challenge us about how we live, how we can have a relationship with God through him, and how he wants us to live lives transformed and lives serving him and others. Is this an opportunity for you this morning to personally rediscover Jesus? What about praying for our parish? Currently, there are Mark's gospel sitting in the homes of, of our nearest streets, There could be people who've made their way through the Sunday Times and are now looking for something else to read this very Sunday morning. What about praying for them that God would encourage them to read it and open their and our blind eyes, and praying for them that people in the streets around about us could also rediscover Jesus? Also, What about thinking and praying for a friend or a family member that you could try and show the love of God to in a holistic way and then take an opportunity to introduce them to Jesus through Mark's gospel? You could invite them along to one of our special services in the autumn. You could invite them to a reading group where we're going to just walk through Mark's gospel and see what it says to us. Or you could even invite them to read a copy or read it through with them. I know that's not easy because I've tried Any involvement that I've had in trying to share Jesus with friends only confirms that I need God to be at the very center of it and God to be there for it to work. Can I tell you a story? I have a friend in work. And from time to time we talk about my faith. And on one occasion I made some passing reference to the story of Daniel in the Lion's Den. He didn't know the story. I couldn't believe it. I'm sort of like, What? That's basic, you know. What about all these? Oh, what about all these children's stories that you know? And he just looked at me and he said, Gareth, I'm Australian. I don't get to church. He obviously didn't spend much time in Australia either, with that accent. <laughs> <laughs> but the point was, he then said, "Well, if there are all these good stories, pick the best one." And I'm having that, you know, that awful moment when you're like, right, where do I go? Moses, Joshua, uh, uh, what? Uh, and for what seemed like an eternity, I suddenly blurred out. Balaam's donkey. (laughs) I'm going, what have I done? He says, well, well, what's that all about? And I said, well, it's this guy in the Old Testament, and God wants him to go a specific way, and he doesn't listen to all the signs that God gives him to the very point that even his donkey has to tell him he's going the wrong way. I was like, okay, okay, he's not going to get this, he's not going to get this. And then he says, so so you're my donkey? (laughs) And I'm like, What? Well, he says, maybe God has sent you to set me back on the right path. And I'm going, okay, I'll take that, I'll take that. <laughs> so in that context, I thought, maybe this is a guy who I'd like to give a gospel to. We were due to kind of travel to Canada for a, a work thing, and I thought, great, six hours in the plane, can't go anywhere. This is the prime opportunity to hand over my gospel. So I'm on the Newton Arge Road, leaving, ready to give him the gospel, and then I realize I've forgotten it, I haven't brought it with me, what do I do? Do I worry about this guy, or do I worry about the fact that I have to go back to my discipleship group and tell them I forgot my gospel that I was going to bring them? So I went back, got the gospel, thought I'll hand it over to him. gave it to him as we were getting on the plane. Somehow, I came off the plane and had it back in my possession because we'd pass it over. I thought he's good, he's good, um, and then. Later on on the trip, we were delayed for a flight and so on. And at that opportunity, had a, had a bit of time to a Mark's Gospel. And we've had a bit of a chat about it afterwards and so on. And, you know, finally did read it. And we've had some good conversations since. The point is we can do this. What about it? Could we, this morning, rediscover Jesus through Mark's gospel, as we read it ourselves? Could we pray that people in our parish would rediscover Jesus through their copy of Mark's gospel? And are we going to be willing to pray for some of our friends and family and give them a copy of Mark's gospel so that they might rediscover Jesus or discover Jesus for the first time? Surely that's a better way to thank God for his faithfulness in the past and seek his blessing for the future. After all, we probably have enough tea towels already. Thanks, uh, Gareth.
0: As we had uh, Stanley helping us look back, um, we're going for youth to help us look forward and uh, Amy Gilburn's going to come and lead us in our time of prayer. Thanks.
5: Father, we thank you for the many ways in which you have been at work in Kirkpatrick over the last 100 years. We thank you for the lives of people who have been blessed by you over that time. We also thank you for the people who have been part of this church and for their willingness to serve you in different ways at different times. We also give you praise for the work that is carried out on by this church now for this generation. We thank you for our times of worship together on Sundays and at other times of the week. For the work amongst children, teenagers, those in middle age of life, and amongst older folks. For our staff team, and in particular, our minister Christoph. For those who reach out, especially into our community. And for David and Pam, as they serve you overseas. For these, and every other way that our church now seeks to bless those we have contact with, we thank you. We know, Father, that we will never see true blessing unless you choose to bless us. And therefore, as a church, we submit all the work of this church into your hands. We pray that this church may know more of the work of the Holy Spirit. And we pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us and guide us and allow us to continue to grow in maturity love, and strength. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.
0: Thanks very much, Amy. Um, We're going to stand now together. We're going to sing our closing hymn, um, Lord, for the years, your love has kept and guided. Let's stand together and sing. noticing folks that your your children have not been returned to you. That's not something to worry about. That's an opportunity to take a cup of tea and coffee and enjoy that for a wee moment before you're reunited with them. As we go on together in Kirkpatrick, let's pray that we're going to help each other to put on the armor of God, that we would stand firm with a belt of truth around our waist, that we wouldn't act falsely that we'd put the breastplate of righteousness on and that we would be upright, that we'd wear the shoes of peace and that we would never rush into conflict, that we'd have the shield of faith held aloft and we'd always be reminded what an awesome God we have. We'd keep the helmet of salvation on and we'd remember the joy of eternity that awaits us. And may his word guide each and every one of us in all that we do. In the name of Jesus, go in peace.
6: Amen.